Hello and welcome to Touchline from Casper Els and Mark Cameron. Hello, Mark. Hi, Cas. Nice to be in studio. Tonight is an exciting, or today is an exciting uh, chapter in, in the lives of Touchline as we yes, finally speak to a well-known international coach and, and we welcome we welcome Floxelia into studio so um, and you'll elaborate on that. But it's very exciting to have a South African that is that is playing his trade overseas and very successfully as well. Yes. Hello, Flock. Welcome to Touchline. Yes. Good evening, uh, gentlemen. And I, I must say, rather say, bonjour, comment ça va, très bien. Which means, are you doing? Uh, all is good then in in the month and thirty. But thanks for having me on in in the studio as your guest today. Thank you very much for joining us. Um, just to to introduce Flock, Flock currently is the kicking coach for the um, French national side. Um, uh, well-known rugby player in South Africa. And we're going to talk about coaching tonight and how Flock got involved in coaching. Flocky, can I just put you under pressure there? Sorry, Cass. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the photos that you that you sent through with yourself and, and the well-known scrum off and the fly off combination in the French and then you stand <laughs> you standing in the middle of them you know as a as a as a, as a springbok fly off yourself um, basically being the midget between those two guys nearly how does that work <laughs> uh, I, I always been a midget um, doesn't matter even my wife is taller than me so, so, uh, so I, 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 I I make peace with that long time ago that I'll always be the the shortest guy in, in the pictures and all the smallest guys. So even even when you're standing next to the pond, um, I'm, I'm I'm still <laughs> smaller than him. So yeah. uh, I'm, I'm I'm used to that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's frightening that everyone thinks the South Africans are so big, but there you stand. Yeah, you know, exactly. you're under the, you you like the hooker between the two props. <laughs> yes, but then I have to remind them that I. That they play the back line in my days when I was playing, and I think in, in, in your days as well, the, the backs was actually quite small guys, not not the big uh, the back line guys that uh, that, they has, that, that today. we have today in, in the modern day. Of <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> but in the tackle, they believe that you're six foot five, huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Normally, I I, I normally joke uh, when I said when I was playing for Western Province, um, we have this. They have a book, and you all know we have a book uh, before the game where, where they put in your name and yes. they put in your length and they put in your weight. I was always like 90 kilos and I was always like 189. I was always 89 kilos, so. No, Which yeah, is good. So. Cool. <laughs> Shame. If we, if we can <laughs> carry on with the coaching, yeah. Block, how did you get involved in coaching? From from playing rugby and no. playing very successful rugby, how did you get involved in the coaching? Uh, quite funny. I uh, my um, last year at province, I uh, Casey Pinar approached me to come and play uh, for three years for the Cheetahs, and I said yes. So I joined the Cheetahs, and in my first year, I, I get a serious knee injury, and then I have to stop playing. Yeah. And immediately at the end of that year, I I, I get involved in coaching with with the Iman. Is now currently the Shemlas coach, and we start coaching together at Shemlas. And uh, and after that uh, first year, then the second year, then Heineken Meyer approached me in the Bulls, and he said, "You yeah, have this dream and vision to put together a whole professional 
coaching team, we have spe specialists around them and they're looking after a certain aspect of the game. And then he asked me if, if I would join his coaching staff and um, uh, to be the, the kicking coach for the book, which also was very new to me as well. So uh, I, I um, accept the, the challenge and the invitation and uh, never look back from 2003. Okay. Then... What motivates you the most as a coach? What keeps you coming back? Uh, for me, for me, um, I, I'm a type of person that get a lot of energy from from other people, talking to other people, listening to other people, reading books, and uh, do a lot of research. So for me, um, just to to do a lot of research and 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 and, and um, reading what other coaches is doing, what makes them better. I've uh, Actually, following at the moment, I follow um, uh, Serena or Venus Williams um, uh, coach uh, Patrick uh, Moretta Glow, who's actually a French guy. And uh, we start chatting on Instagram now, and uh, I have his number now. So we, like, once every second week, I ask him one or two questions. And he's actually an unbelievable guy. He's, he's coaching philosophy, uh, philosophy now. He changed uh, Serena Williams. So that's the type of things that, that, that um, gives me energy. And that's the type of thing that always bring me back to coaching, always starting from scratch. And uh, and just to see the development with the players you're coaching and to see the energy they're getting from, from, from your way of coaching. And that is to bring positivity and to, to build people up. In saying that now, your your involvement as the kicking coach in, in the rest of the team, I mean, not all the players are, are kickers. What is your involvement in the rest of the team as a as a kicking coach? Yeah, obviously, um, uh, with, with the French team, um, my first priority is to look after the kickers and yes. uh, from nine to fifteen, and then uh, not to actually to, to give too much away, but I have to look um, more in depth to the kicking game. You have to analyze the opponents you you play against. Yeah. Uh, you have to find ways to put them under pressure because nowadays all the teams in the world defense are so good. So you can't just keep the ball and, and keep playing and face after face because you, 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 you make your forward, you make your players tired and you and, and you start the, the possibility of losing the ball through turnovers. So you need to find ways to get in behind the defence. You, you need to find ways to, to put teams under pressure and, and one of the ways is to, to have a good kicking game. So you have to analyse the opponents, you have to you have to analyze your own kicking game to see where you can get better, and uh, and that's the way we're doing at the French team at the moment. Loki, just on that quickly, um, you know, from a from a viewer's perspective and the listeners that have that are going to be tuning in, um, you know, if you if you look at a normal rugby game, you would now think to yourself, technically, it's only your nine possibly that does a box kick or so. You get your ten kicking out of hand, and your fifteen maybe trying to find to find space yeah. behind the wingers and that. But it's more involved than that, isn't it? I mean, you've got your centers that you need to train kicking left and right-footed, grubber kicks and fielding them and so forth. So that's all your that's your all your forte that you have currently with the French side. So it's more to it than just what we what the what the viewers look at when they see, let's say, the French now play against England for argument's sake. you're hundred percent correct, Mark. And uh, you, you obviously you can't actually say you. The days of just kick from 9, 10, and 15 is over. Um, you need to get a variety. You need to move the ball around. And within moving the ball around, you need to find ways to, to kick either. Is it from a 13? Is it from a 11? Is it from a 14? Uh, is it from a 12 cent? And is it from the third phase? Is it from the seventh phase? 
all those things, you know, all the things you have, you have to analyze, you have to look at the games, see where the gaps is, and, and the more you have the variety of all seven guys can kick in the same, the better it is for you to attack, and within that, applying pressure to other teams. No, 100%. Thank you. Then, your involvement as a as a national coach, what is your involvement in, in club rugby in France now, where you, where you currently are? So, yes, I, I, I have to go and visit the clubs. I have to be involved. Even now, sitting here in South Africa at the moment, um, I'm still I'm still in contact with, with, with all the kickers at, at the clubs, and I have to give them feedback. Um, I'm I'm sending them one or two drills and, and stuff to do in the week. So, so I, I have to I have to stay contact in contact with them and I have to stay uh, focused with them and in their development to, to make sure that they develop. It's, it's, it's an ongoing process when we get together in July with our test to go to Australia. Okay, if I can just ask there as well then, if you, let's say Toulon for argument's sake, let's say you visit them, would you then only work with the national the national players or would you work with the players from that club as well? Do you guys have that relationship with the coaching staff or the or the the professional teams? Normally normally we have our let's say we take flyers, we will have our Nitamac, we'll have our Jalabin and we'll have our Louis Gabanyal, which is our top three flyer. But then you look at the guy like Hostai who is at Bow, um, he's our fourth flyer and then we have a fifth flyer so normally some of the clubs, then the two guys are there, which is your number number four and your number five. So sometimes as, as in Toulon, um, you will get uh, one or two players that actually is not in, 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 in the closer squad of 31, but they're in the bigger squad of the 45. Mm-hmm. So normally you also work with them as well, because you never know with rugby's injury uh, contact sport that some of these guys will, will draft in sooner than later. I actually think that's a very clever setup as well, because not only for the benefit of the of the national side, but those professional outfits obviously would benefit from something like that too. And sometimes, you know, as as a, as a coach, you just need a different voice. But with you coming from a French side and and the, you know the clubs being involved in that, they could only benefit from that. Yeah, I also must say, so I mean, it's not that easy. Previously in the past. Uh, the relationship between the top 14 club and the French Federation was not that good because you must always fight between the top 14 clubs and the Federation because um, the Federation is not paying the, the national players. They've been under contract with the top 14 clubs. So uh, it's always difficult to just to go into the clubs because you um, go into their personal space and into their program of uh, in way of doing things. So so that that's one thing that's been really good in, in, in getting the the relationship back uh, between yes, the yes, federation yes. and the yes. top 14. We're not the final product yet. There's still um, some some places where uh, it's difficult for us to get in, but uh, luckily nine out of, of eight percent of the clubs, uh, they're more than happy for us oh. to come and join them and uh, spend time with them. Oh, it can only bench, uh, sorry, it can only benefit French rugby at the end of the day. So good yeah. luck to you guys and well done on that. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. Then, Coaching a, a national team during this COVID <coughs> pandemic, how did you guys cope with that, having no spectators? <laughs> I mean, that is, yeah, I mean, um, I, I, the other day I said to my wife, um, since I started joining the, the the French team last year, I'm involved with 14 tests, which 10 of the 14 tests was in isolation mm-hmm. without any spectators. Only four, only four tests um, 
that there was spectator that was atmosphere. So it is very strange times. Um, I, th I think it's not good for sport, not to expect I think it's, it's terrible. It's very, very bad. I mean, to go to Twickenham um, and there's no people there. You, you're driving in the bus on your way to the stadium. And it's like a Sunday afternoon drive in a small career town where everybody's sleeping. There's, no, there's, there's nobody outside the stadium. And you went, and you go into the stadium, it's like everything is dead inside the stadium. Yeah. Uh, there's no atmosphere there. You walk out into the field for a warm-up and there's no people there. I mean, it's just you and the other team there. So it's terrible. It's, it's, as I say, uh, I don't want to repeat myself, it's not good for sport in general. And uh, so it, it, it's first difficult to adapt to that, to get used to there's no atmosphere, there's no people there, and then then you have to then you have to get the players ready um, for them to, to play and in, in this circumstance of um, conditions where there's no people there. And uh, so it's quite difficult, but the more you play, um, I would say the easier it is to, to play without people in the stadium. But long term, Mark, I, it's not good for sport in, in general and, and you need to you need people back. If it's golf, if it's tennis, if it's cricket, doesn't matter what sport it is. You need to get people back in the stadium and you need to get people back on, on the pavilions. And yeah. uh, it's not good for us at the moment. No, we agree. And I mean, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the, the players take uh, energy out of the out of the spectators and that. So it's sad. So no, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. Right. It's, but we also, what we also find is, um, you know, our, normally after a game, I know at, at, this, at this level, after after a game, you, know, you, you go for a shower and you and you dressed up, and then you go for a nice function where you where you can sit at the table, you can have a you can have a glass of wine or a beer with the with the other coaches and other players, and they function their speeches, and that is nice. And now, after a game, you go to your change room, they go to their change room. And uh, you shower, you have your beer in your change room, you get into the bus, you go back to your hotel. Yeah. So you, you go from, from a bubble in the change room to a bubble in the bus, you go to your hotel, it's only you in the hotel, there's nobody else in the hotel, only you and the staff in the hotel. And, and that's it, and tomorrow morning you woke up you, you, in the bus, you go to the airport, you fly, and you stay in the bubble, you travel in the bubble, so that, that is, I mean, it's, it's terrible. So, so Floki, if I can just ask on that, basically on the same question though, um, obviously, as as coaches, we also go through a through a phase where we mm. might be negative or obviously positive, and you try and rub off on the players being positive. But when you're in a bubble like this, obviously, as a coach, you become a little bit negative. How do you actually motivate your players to say, "Yes, we're playing England this weekend"? I mean, that in itself should be motivation. I understand that, but I don't mm. think I don't think the the viewers will will understand until you're physically in those circumstances yourself to say I'm running out on Twickenham. I mean some of them have run out there before so it's not a motivation anymore. Playing for your yeah. country is a motivation but to get these guys fired up because you know you're not playing for anyone you can just as well do a PlayStation game nearly if, you know if one can refer it to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think what, well, what's important um, for any coach out there and I think especially now the school that we starting I just the other day I, I have a chat with one of the coaches at one, at one of the, the big schools in South Africa, and I said to him, "You can if you can sit down with your players and you can tell them as soon as possible that they have to adapt. That there's not going to be people in the stadium. You have to give them something else to play for. You can't just say, listen, the the crowd will give you energy. Your mom and dad will be there because for the first time in ever in their life, the mom and dad won't be at the field.'" 
So you need you need you need to you need to give them something to believe in. You need to give them something to hold on to play for. I mean, and, and that's why you need to have a, a a good functional team. You need to have a good uh, um, uh, story or story that you can tell in your in your in your team to, to keep the guys motivated to play for something. And uh, luckily, we at, at the French team, and I know also when I spoke to Eddie Jones uh, a few times, he said that um, you luckily you work with professional players, so they can easily adapt from from one game to another game, which make it easier for us to talk to the players. Yeah. And, and and they know, listen, we're playing in a six a six nations tournament. It's a trophy to play. We play for world ranking, so there's a lot of stuff we have to play for, and and that and, and that can serve as a motivation. But I think it's so much that more difficult at club rugby and even at school rugby where, yeah. where the wife can't be there, the mom and dad can't be there. Now suddenly, and nine, you know, nine or ten guys, these guys play for their mom and dad. Yeah. They play for their girlfriend, they play for their wife. And now their support is not there. Mm. So, uh, so that, is, that would be the key, the key, I think, the key ingredient for any coaches out there to find that. That middle, that middle way of keeping that players motivated. Now I'm asking that because there's one thing for sure in the Six Nations that, uh, and we we can maybe elaborate on that slightly. We're running out of time because we really want to talk about Flock Scorp and that, and your project. But um, the French side of 2021, I think we're definitely motivated. I know obviously you guys are playing for the for the Rugby World Cup as well in preparations, but there was no lack of motivation this year for the French. No, definitely. Um, it's our second year. Uh, we, we became second, and uh, obviously we want to win the, the Six Nations. That's our ultimate prize uh, that we have to win a Six Nations before we go into the to the World Cup, just to get that most that self belief up and uh, just to, to to get something out of the tournament before we go into the to the World Cup. But uh, um, as I say, obviously I, I can't I can't elaborate on that too sure. much in public. But there's a certain goal that we set for us every year. Uh, what we want to achieve going forward into the six, uh, into the World Cup. So um, there's a lot of boxes that we that we already tick, and there's a lot of boxes that we still need to tick. Obviously, um, I can't uh, say too much, but uh, that, that's part of the motivation in the French team that we're working towards a goal, and uh, that we need to tick a few boxes every every session. I think you're going to surprise a few teams. I don't think there's any surprise happening because they know <laughs> it's happening. And yeah, yet again, well done to you guys. Busy happening. Oh, thank you. Um, <clears throat> Flock, if you can give anybody advice in getting getting involved in coaching, what would that be? What would be that one thing that you will tell a person? Uh, the, the, the one thing, I mean, maybe you heard it a, a couple of times, but one thing that I... That I um, take out of, out of coaching and if you talk to a lot of coaches uh, which I certainly make part of my DNA is to uh, uh, if you're a coach doesn't matter which level you are uh, for me it's like two or three things I mean there's a lot of points but for me it's one of two things is always number one stay a student of the game and uh, that's important if you think you arrive or you think you you know too much or you think uh, I can't learn something you're on a very dangerous on a dangerous road and second of uh, and the second point for me is if don't enjoy it anymore. Um, it, it must be your passion. If you don't enjoy it anymore, and you're getting energy of standing at the field, you're getting energy of of coaching and want to make players better and stuff, then then don't do it. Then, then don't find another work for you. You need to have the energy. You need to have the passion to to work with players. To work with players it doesn't matter at which level they are. And this afternoon, funny enough, this afternoon I watched the school the school come asked me to to work with six speakers. 
They were from under 14 to, to, to the first team. And uh, I even get energy just standing there and, and, and telling them to do a certain thing. I can see how some of them are enjo actually enjoying the kicking. And they can see this and this actually making sense. So I didn't. I even get uh, energy from from just from them just enjoying it. So you have to stay student of the day. If you if you think uh, I know enough and um, I'm not going to do any research, I'm not going to talk to any other coaches. So for me personally, I I I talk to rugby coaches, but I do a lot of research on other sports like tennis or on soccer or on or on on on. Um, on basketball or rugby league, I do a lot of research. What other coaches say, how they how they develop, how they improve, what is their coaching philosophy, what are they planning for the week, how they get better, how they keep their players honest, how they challenge their players. Because you can get something from from every coach. That's what I'm doing, and that and that keeps me honest, and that keeps me hungry uh, every day. And I tend to, you know, as a coach myself, obviously not at your level, but at a, as a coach myself, I also tend to. To feed off other coaches and see what they're doing, and you know, if you take a if you take a drill for argument's sake, you might not agree one hundred percent with that drill, but you tweak it a little bit to fit into your plans and that. So you know, I I, I agree with you. I think if you think that you've you've learned everything, then maybe it's time to step down because I also don't think it's fair on the players that you're trying to coach. So uh, no, definitely, you're hundred percent right, Mike. I will go and watch. Let's say I will go and watch a primary school game. And let's say two on the 11 teams are playing, and uh, and and the coaches are busy with the warm up. I will watch that warm up from a distance, but I promise you, and you can ask my wife. I promise you, I will watch that warm up. But within that, I, I already start inventing a new drill. I said, listen, I can take that drill, but I just invent it and tweak it here and change it there, and I can take it forward. So if you stand there and said, no, what are they doing? Ugh, you can't do that, and then you're on dangerous ground. So if you can stay, that's why I said you have to stay student of the game. No, I agree with 100%. And, you know, coming from an international coach like yourself, it's good to hear for the club and school coaches yes. to know that there's always room for improvement and, and keep working hard because ultimately you are there as a, as a, as a teacher of the game to the students yeah, who are your players, you know. So, But, Flocky, just on a, on a lighter note, and we, and we started on this when the program started, and it's your fault for going there now. So <laughs> I, just, I just want to ask you, when you were with these youngsters between the 14s and the 18s, were they taller than you? <laughs> As I say, everybody's taller than me. <laughs> even this afternoon, <laughs> even this afternoon, oh, with that under 14 guy standing there. I, I actually have a, they take a, a group picture at, at the end of the training, so they send it to me, and uh, and I and I said to myself again, I'm I'm actually the shortest guy in the group again. So you had to find so, yourself. Uh, yeah. So sometimes, sometimes at the French team. <laughs> um, we will we will do restarts and uh, we will do kickoffs and restarts. And I was standing, I was standing with the locks, with Baron, Darun, Paul, Williamson, and these guys. I'm actually talking to them, um, and then I, and I have to look up to them. Sometimes it's, um, it's it's strange to stand and talk to them and say, listen, I want them to do this, they want to do this. And I have to look up to them, so yeah. <laughs> but you know what? It's it's nice to see you still humble and all of that. So I mean, regardless of your achievements and where you guys are going, <laughs> you're still humble. So that's great, <laughs> Floki. Just on yeah. that quickly, if we can go a little bit more personal to Floxelier himself, um, and obviously I'm going to mention this now, but I think as a as a viewer of the game, and and following you, um, Flockscorp is is quite well known worldwide. 
And I can only assume, if you look at the French kickers, how they've developed since you've been there, a lot of your mm. Flockscorp, if not all of Flockscorp, is what you actually implement within the French kicking side. How did it no, start and what do you do? Well, how does it work? <laughs> now, again, I, I don't think there's a, there's a second ingredient in, in the way you coach. I think every, every coach has, has a different philosophy. And uh, if you sit down, you talk to, to 10 coaches tonight, each, each coach will have his own philosophy and you will have 10 different philosophies. I learned over the years um, working with, with, with individual kickers and, and uh, working at the level um, that you're going to international level. I mean, there's one or two things that stand out for me, and that's my coaching philosophy. Um, and it's based on, 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 on two pillars for me. I, I work on trust and I work on relationship. And, the, and that's it. Uh, technique doesn't bother me at all. Um, yes, technique play a big role, but uh, how can I work on a, on a kicker's technique if, if you don't trust me and if there's no relationship? So when I sit down with the French speakers last year in Nice, um, I make it a point to, to have a, 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 a 30 to 45 minutes coffee, a coffee chat with each kicker in the team, where I explain to him what is my philosophy, where I explain to him how I coach, and I said to him, my, my coaching is both on trust and relationship. I want you to trust me, and I need to have a relationship with you. Once you establish those two pillars, I believe you can you can actually go go a big way and a long way with, with, with players. So for me, that that is my coaching philosophy. So if I can just ask then quickly, I, I saw a, I saw a clip this afternoon with regards to um, one of your kicking techniques that you do is a tennis ball. The tennis ball, yes. whatever yes. it is. I was looking for the tennis ball, but I couldn't find it. But can you just explain what uh, that is? <laughs> yeah, the tennis ball is actually on the channel. Funny enough, I was, I was, I was um, having when I was in Pretoria having a, a coffee one day with James Kingston, and he was uh, uh, he went the he went the SA Open, uh, I think, the two or three times, and he play uh, play a lot of uh, big tournaments overseas. And he said to me when he was struggling with his balance and keep his head down and his follow through. He used a, 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 a tennis ball to put on his gym to, to work on his follow through. And that's just a way of, of keeping your head down and keeping your head still, which is made a massive important in kicking. And that's, and that's why I get the idea. So the tennis ball is just the idea of, of uh, have, a, have a good body, have a good body, have a good um, balance and just to keep your head down once you strike the ball and have a follow through. Just to, to work on that, and, 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 and that's just as simple uh, as that. Yeah, no, I think it's actually brilliant. So I'm getting to say I didn't find it. I actually looked specifically, and then only when the <laughs> player came a bit closer, I thought, okay, that's where I was, I was yeah. waiting for it to bounce off the ball and see where it bounces and all of that. So, so Floki, if I can just ask quickly, this Flockscorp, you do like academies and that. So if, if whoever, whether it's schools or private or whatever, want to get in touch to to follow this or to get coached by you or who the people that you've got involved how do they go about it normally they can just um i always I always say to people they can go to my facebook page flocks and beer and they can inbox me there and i will normally get 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 back to them and in contact with them and uh, funny enough um when i was the bulls peter Wadenberg, um one day just walked past me he said uh Flockscope, how are you doing and then Derek Alga come and Derek Alga say Flockscope. Is that so how it started? <laughs> yeah, that is where okay. the Flockscope actually started. I hope then, you're paying them the royalties. 
<laughs> yeah, then I have to be bankrupt if I have to buy some royalties. And then uh, the, the Floxcope just stuck from uh, there on. Brilliant. And uh, then later I just get this idea of starting a Floxcope Foundation with the same name because it's similar to what I'm doing in any job I'm uh, doing at the moment. Okay, great, and that's and that's great. So the, the whoever wants to can just go onto your page, and then they can obviously chat yes. with you there. Yes, yes. Then one thing that we really want to discuss with you, and that we're quite excited about, and maybe getting involved from a Mamsam Toti Rugby Club, is to yes. try and assist. Um, you are very passionate, and and I know Mordnay Stein is involved as an ambassador and, and mm, whatever. Mm. If you can just elaborate a little bit, but you are very involved with a project for techies and talks, um, where you collect and distribute to underprivileged and disadvantaged people. Tell us a little bit yes. about that and how it started and, and things like that. Now, obviously, after after COVID, I just I just sat down and chat with my wife and said, listen, everybody's doing something. And, and yeah, I, I just feel on my heart, we also need to do something. And and, uh, and don't, don't get me wrong, I don't want to do um, uh, food food parcels or soup kitchens because tomorrow the, the need will still be there. And that is good and that's brilliant. I want to do something that will be sustainable and that can people can have for for a long time. And uh, then 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 my wife came up with the idea of taking some talk and I said that's a that's a brilliant idea because we in sport we in rugby and there's so many kids that uh, want to play soccer want to play rugby but they they don't have boots or running shoes and uh, and second not not all of their parents have the money to go and buy a pair of boots. Because you have to go and buy a pair of boots and running suits, it costs you 2,000 rand, yeah. which a lot of uh, households don't happen. And this COVID time, I think a lot of parents and households really, really struggle at the moment. Mm. So that's why we started this Techies and Talks project to, to get all the schools involved and, and some businesses and say, listen, let's see how many you can raise. And then uh, we will then distribute it to, to every area in the country where the needs is and to, to put shoes on, on, on children's feet. So is, is this you? Well done, well done for that. Firstly, I think it's a brilliant initiative, well and done. and obviously sport is in your in your blood, and hence the fact that you went yeah. that direction. And I think you need to pay your wife royalties on this as well. So. Floki, just I need to pay a lot of royalties. <laughs> just on that, is this just a South African project, or is it worldwide, or how are you guys operating it? Yeah, only 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 South Africa at the moment, and. Um, Funny enough, um, a month or two ago, uh, when he said to Morna, he said uh, he, he, he always takes it for granted uh, that he, he never have to buy shoes in his yeah. life because he's always been sponsored by yeah. Nike or, or Puma or whoever. So he never in his life had to go and walk into a shop and go and buy a pair of boots. Mm-hmm. The other day, he was walking into his garage and he said there was there were seven pairs of, of, of rugby boots lying in his garage, which he don't use anymore. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So uh, I think uh, a lot of people can afford to to give um, the old pair of shoes or boots uh, to this project. Okay, Flock. So, so having said that, obviously it's not necessarily brand new tackies or docks. No, it's, no, no. it's second hand. So, no. so yes, let's let's make it unique. So the listeners on, and the viewers would obviously be able to relate this wherever they are in South Africa, um, but. Because we're from MMs and Toti, so let's bring it to MMs and Toti now. And the Toti Rugby Club would like to get involved. So, how do we get involved? How do we support you? What do we do? What's the initiative and and so forth? Just oh, brilliant. Thanks, uh, guys. I really appreciate it. And uh, I think the basis I will let the, the people of of Solidarity help and from the head office in Pretoria uh, get out of you tomorrow. 
and then they will send uh, the boxes. They, we, we have boxes that actually been branded, and they will send the boxes direct to your office club, and um, you can just put the, the boxes there, and you can just ask the people close to you, the rugby, the rugby community, to bring their old shoes or, or rugby boots to that. And after two weeks or three weeks or how long, um, we will we will also come and collect um, the boxes from you, and we will take it to our our regional office in in Durban, and from there we will distribute it then to to wherever the need is in in, in the whole country in the town. Brilliant. So we will definitely uh, take that project on from our side. You know, um, also just to put out so. Um, our club uh, turned 75 this year, so it's our anniversary oh. this year, and we'll make it part of our anniversary to punt this quite a quite a bit on social media and oh. so forth. I want to say earlier that I want to say earlier that Amanzim Toti is is one of the oldest rugby clubs in in South Africa, if I was not mistaken. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. So yeah. So we we as as all the other clubs, we we fighting hard to to progress oh. and go forward. You know how it is. But uh, not to deviate from this brilliant pr- project of yours. Um, if you can also just from from a viewer and a listener's point of view, just talk about it's second-hand tackies and second-hand talks. I understand that, but you don't want broken ones and whatever. So how, what do you, you how do you correct? So how do yeah, you okay. decide? Yeah, you don't actually want shoes where they, uh, where they have holes in where correct. you can actually put your finger in. It must still be in, 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 in a way that you can use it, that you can put on, you can run with that, and uh, you can put on a play with that. Okay. Uh, people mustn't see this opportunity. Uh, that is a good way of getting my garage clean and put all the old shoes lying around there. Mm-hmm. We, we don't want that. So, uh, yeah, anything that's still usable, that the people can put on their foot and still run and, and, and play soccer or rugby work, which is brilliant for us. Okay, no, brilliant. We'll definitely support you in that, and uh, obviously you and I will stay in contact, and we'll definitely make it happen. Um, just before I hand over to Gus, one thing that I did want to ask you, and, and obviously we spoke about Flock Skorpner and Takis, and, and I say that with respect, especially the project. Um, that's, the, that's the main ingredient that we wanted to talk about tonight, obviously to assist you guys to try and get it going more than you guys have done already. One thing that I do want to ask you, and and Kasi alluded to how you got into coaching and that, just a question is, how did you get involved in French rugby, and why why there? There's a, there's a question that uh, I've been asked a lot. Um, I always said when I uh, watched the Bulls, uh, and the Bulls was in, in the typical, the pinnacle uh, 2009, 2008, when you won the Super Up in the Cup. I always say that one day in my life I, I want to coach the international team and obviously my first choice was the box. Um, it, it, it was a big dream of me and uh, then I moved down to the Stormers and again I still have this dream and I believe that, that one day uh, that uh, maybe the Steamworks will call me up uh, to get involved on, on an international level and go to the World Cup and then that didn't happen and, and me and Fabian came a long way back um, 95 World Cup in, in South Africa then Fabian stayed behind um, uh, with Nick Mallet that passed by. And then he played a few games here. And then Promise called him up and, and he played for Promise. And the two of us played uh, together 9 and 10. And then uh, we lost contact for a couple of years. And then three years ago, he's he coaching Toulon. And then um, we, we connected again. And then he asked me to come over to Toulon and, and work with the kickers and, and setting a kicking plan in place for him and work. 
And then uh, that one visit became a second visit, became a third visit, became a second year. And then we just kept contact from there. And then he said to me that uh, um, that one day there's a good possibility that in the future that that you can can be the French coach going forward. And then you have to keep contact. So uh, just before the World Cup in 2019, he said to me that he's taking over and then we will keep contact. And then after the World Cup, he approached me and asked if I'm if I'm still interested in joining the French team. And I. Didn't even think twice. I mean, yeah, if, 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 if the one door closed, I, I'm a big believer that, that the second door will open. And this is my second door with the French team. I'm with the international team. And uh, it's, it's a dream come true for me. And I, a lot of times I said, I, I still have to, to pinch myself to, to realize what I'm busy with and where I'm coaching. So I'm really enjoying it. And I'm just, I'm just happy where, where I am. Yeah, no, glad for you, and, and unfortunately, like we say, a lot of our coaches are overseas. You know, we can mention many of them. Uh, it's a big loss for South Africa, and uh, please don't kick us into a losing <laughs> f- losing final in France come the World Cup. <laughs> Inter- interesting, cousin Mark, um, with the six nations this year, between the six teams, I think roughly, if I'm not mistaken now, there were 14 South Africans involved. Yes. In the six days in yes. this year, between yes. the players and the coaches, yes. the Peter de Villiers, the, the Franco Schmidt, yes. the Vietnam, all, all, and all the players. So it's yes. 14, it's unbelievable. No, it's yes. Yeah, and may that, fl- may that flag fly high for South Africa, you know, if it, and it, it's just, I mean, it's a, it's a business, it's, it's, it's your livelihood, and if you get successful and wherever you're coaching, so be it. And yeah, I can just say from my side, obviously from a touchline side, um, all the best and well done and may your dream continue soaring with all the passion that you've got and all your projects that you do um you've obviously got a good heart and you can see that in that young french side as well you've got a massive role to play there so well done on that thanks mark thanks Cox. i really appreciate the time tonight thank you very much um just just one question from our side what is what is floxel year's vision after the french national side yeah, um, <coughs> I don't, now you I need to think too far in the future. Again, I have to bring my wife in. Yes, she said uh, she 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 she, she still believes that um, we're gonna sign on for another four years. Um, okay, good. Uh, that is a that is a possibility that uh, Fabian said that if we're doing well in the in the upcoming World Cup, it's a, it's a strong and a good possibility that we can stay on for another four years. So <coughs> that will be good. Yeah. Uh, we definitely don't coach uh, with that in the back of the mind. Um, but yeah, if, if that happened, that would be absolutely brilliant. Um, if that not happened, um, certainly other doors always will open. But yeah, uh, okay. at the moment, all our energy and focus going to 2023. But um, we always keep that in the back of our mind, because that, that yes. there can be a second, a second tenure of another three to four years. Yeah, no, definitely. Well done. Well done. Flock, thank you very much for joining us. Appreciate your time and your input. Very nice listening to all the stories and your philosophies. Um, appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Yeah, really appreciate it. And thanks, Mark. We'll keep contact. And thanks for your yes. time and uh, the, the work you're doing for Club Rugby. I'm, I'm coming from Club Rugby. I, I played for I played for Ochoaran in, in the SWD um, Club Rugby. So I know how it feels to, to play on a Saturday afternoon um, doors against Nice now, doors against Heidelberg, doors against so I. Uh, my first year at Province, also I played for, for police and then I played for Sumerlikus. So uh, I, I, I came from Club Rugby and I know what, 
that is a club rugby is a big goal where the money is going yes. in, but uh, you can't see it because uh, it's, it's a lot of it's a lot of cost to, to run club rugby. So all the best for your guys and the work you're doing. Look, if I can also just ask, you know, we we associated now together and we 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 chatting and obviously we're going to be following up quite a bit with techies and and your boot projects um and obviously we'll have a as i said to you earlier we we chat with mornay stain maybe later on to to keep working on this specific project but when you are in the durban area um, give us a shout you're more than welcome to come into studio and chat with us and come to the rugby club and share your knowledge and that there we'd appreciate that and may all your visions and whatever you have be successful for you and keep going strong <clears throat> thanks guys i definitely will do that once i'm uh, in Devon, i will do that perfect thank, thank you. you thank you very much Flo. thank you i have to say i have to say in french adame adame please have a good <laughs> sleep and see you tomorrow adame adame thank you keep well thank you bye, Flo. Bye, Flo. Bye. cheers Ciao. bye cheers bye Ciao. very interesting chat with Flo Solia. Indeed, it was. Um, what is what is evident from his discussion and his and his general uh, position in, in in sport is how passionate he is about what he's doing. He is um, and it's and it's and it's incredible to know that an international coach like that is still level-headed and down to earth. So it was great that thing. Indeed, I think what stood out for me is his actual involvement in club rugby and that they. They actually force him from a national level. They actually force him to be involved in club rugby. No, it's great. And I mean, uh, that can only benefit, as I said to him, it could only benefit their club uh, rugby setup. And yes. obviously, from a from a French point of view, it, it filters through. So good luck to them. Good luck to them. Let's see how far the French will go. I think, I think as I said... See if they can do yeah. the Six Nations. Now I can tell you, even even if they don't, even if they don't win the Six Nations, I know you said that's part of their their focus area and goals. I mean, if you look at yeah. if you look at New Zealand, they've won the World Cup how many times without winning the Tri Nations? So, but I agree, it's a setup that that they want to improve on. It's a it's a mindset that they want to have in the back of their minds that they can win a, a major competition. Um, but yeah, good luck to South African. A lot of South African influence in in France at the moment. There is. Talking about club rugby, let's move on to the Varsity Shield. Third round played, uh, DUT 6, CPUT 109, TUT 22, UKZN 3, sorry Donald, UFH 12, WSU 46. And then in round 4, Rhodes 8, UFN 17, CPUT 54, TUT 20, UKZN 73, and DUT 7. Well done, Donald. Yeah, if I uh, can just chat about the the third round, um, you know, one feels one feels for DUT. Um, you know, you 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 knew in a competition and you need yes. to try and find your feet and. Obviously, it's not a happy camp, and and to keep getting beaten by by such a margin, I mean, I'd hate to be the coach there to try and motivate the players because I can just assume there's not a lot of motivation going on there. Um, but you know, I think I think all teams go through a lull at some time, and and hopefully this is the first and their last one in it. And good luck to the coaching staff there. 
Um, I'd like to go to UKZN. Um, obviously, when they when they played against DUT, it wasn't a good day in the office for them. I had the privilege of speaking to Donald and Gwenya, their coach, with regards to that game and and how it went. And you know, a lot of focus obviously went into the Wusa uh, game. Yeah. And um, I, I think from a from a player's perspective, you know. Although that was a lot of focus because you knew you had to, you basically had to win that one and they, and they should have won it. I mean, they lost it at the end. Um, you know, the motivation probably wasn't uh, as as good for the TUT game that, that it should have been. Having said that as well, players are sore. You know, we've just come back from a lengthy layoff in COVID. For these guys to, to play four games in 10 days at, at, at no, that level, it, it's really, it's really tough. And... You know, you, you take your hat off to all these players and, and all the coaching staff to try and motivate because obviously after that game, there's not much that you can do either to try and correct things and fix it because you want to get them off their feet and they need to rest because there's only a day or two recovery. So, um, but you know, the team, obviously, Husu is the team to, to beat currently. Um, they had another another good result. And uh, yeah, and then the last the last round, um, round four of the, of the varsity Shield, um, you know the the UKZN MPs bounced back and had a good result for DU, DUT, um, and then let's let's give DUT credit as well. You know if you just go score alone, their previous scores were all in the hundreds, and um, this was still a quite a bit of a margin that UKZN put past them, but um, it's only seventy three. So um, hopefully for for them, um, they're also Durban based, so we we back them one hundred percent as well. And hopefully for them, there's a, there's some positives that they can get out of that. I'm sure there will be some positives that they'll take out of it and correct before they go into the second bubble. Sure, because obviously Varsity Cup starts now again, yes. and and these guys finished on uh, on Thursday night. I mean on Tuesday night, and the Varsity Cup starts again on Thursday. So um, then the 10-day bubble starts from scratch. And as you rightfully say. Um, the teams who and uh, UKZN is one of them. Um, they've had a few injuries, and hopefully it's not, it's not, it won't affect them for the tournament. But they come back for ten days. There's lots that they can fix, and so can DUT uh, when they go back in the next in the next bubble. They hopefully will be a different kettle of fish. I'm sure they're going to be. The Varsity Cup starting on the 22nd of April, um, round four, starting with all the teams playing. On the very first day, uh, NWU versus UWC, Jimlas and Ikes then, Wits and CUT, then the Madibas against UJ, and the last game, I think it's 7 o'clock that evening, is Tux Martis, which will be a, a good one to see. Yeah, I think that one specifically will be Amdinger. Um, it's a nice build-up to that, but... Not taking anything away from any of the other varsities, I think there might be a the odd surprise there as well, because those coaches and players have a time to fix all their niggles and to fix what went wrong, and obviously to analyse the teams that have played. And and fortunately for them, obviously it's a it's a congested uh, tournament, so it's not a four or five week tournament yes. to play these games. So they would have had three or four games to to analyse, and they will all know exactly what to do. But the Tux Marty's one is going to be Amdinger. Shimla's uh, Aikis, I think, is also going to be a, a good game to watch. And then down the bottom, the, the Madivas versus UJ. 
Yeah, they that got all also, to play for. No, also be a good definitely. one too. And that yeah, might that might that might just be the one for UJ to jump into first yes. year and to get off the block. So uh, yeah, good luck might, to all of them. Might just be the one. And we've seen some brilliant players. You know, um, yes. just to go back to the varsity shield that has taken place in the last week, there were some phenomenal players, some individual brilliance. Um, I mean, you can name them. I mean, from from one right through to 15. And, uh, you know, there's class written all over this. And if you look at how many Springboks have come through these ranks, um, South Africa is in, a, is in a good space. So I'm may, sure. may it continue. Yeah, definitely. Then talking Rainbow Cup, I see now there's rumours again that it's been cancelled completely, that England and Ireland doesn't want to allow South Africa into into their countries and that uh, the Rainbow Cup is going to be cancelled completely. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's very sad. Look, f- firstly, firstly, from a South African point of view, it's, it's, it's sad because obviously uh, we wanted to use this as preparation for the British and Irish Lions tour. Yes. So it puts us back yet again. Um, but from a commercial point of view and from experience point of view, I mean, there's so many negatives with that not happening and one can understand COVID is, a, is obviously the issue yeah um, but it's 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 terrible news you know not only not only from a spectator point of view not only from a financial point of view but these players that have put their hearts into yes. trying to get into a Springbok setup for argument's sake or the youngsters that have come through um, to try and stake a claim you know if it's if it's cancelled then Obviously, through Saru, we will have to try and come up with a quick fix quickly and bring in another yes. competition. But, you know, players don't want to play against each other week in and week out. No, this is international flavor, and we would have toured. Um, they, would have, they would have learned a heck of a lot um, in the overseas conditions and, and, and obviously played against the players that they'll play when, they, when the British and Irish lines come down to South Africa. Um, and it's terrible news all around, you know. So... Um, Obviously, spectators is an issue, but I mean, you can ask anyone. We'd sooner not have spectators than have the games take place. Um, as I said, I mean, it's they terrible. would have they would have played it in a in the bio bubbles in any case, so it would have been a controlled environment. Yeah, it's 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 very difficult to to understand. Obviously, all countries have their own criteria and their own reasons for for doing things. Um, as it is, they didn't want to allow the box. I mean, sorry, the the provincial franchises into their countries for the reasons that they obviously believe is, is sufficient. Um, you know, if you look at the six nations that took place, COVID was, was rife in some of those countries. Some of those countries are still under lockdown. Some have only opened up now, um, and yet they played. I know the French, the French Federation was adamant at times as well that they'd pull the French out of the, out of the six nations, and it, and it didn't happen. Um, but you know, it's easy for us to sit on this side and 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 point fingers because uh, all what, all we want to see is rugby to take place. But all round, I think even uh, personally, I think even if you had to ask the 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 European clubs that were going to take place part in the in the pro series in the Rainbow Cup, I mean, for them it would also be a negative. You know, they would have wanted to play against against the Springboks Big more negative. so the Springbok players that were part of those franchises. But it is what it is, you know. We we just need to adapt, and uh, I think there's a bigger picture. As I said, it's a Lions tour, and hopefully Saru will come up with something where we can prepare. Talking about the Lions tour, uh, on a positive note, I see that um, Jacques Nino now said that the 
alignment camps and the alignment tour that they've done has revealed a lot of positives and he's he's very happy with the with the results yeah look i think the that specific uh, camps that they had there's a lot of vision that they that they spoke about and yes. in different environments and it's you know the if i look at the springboks alone and that's what we're referring to now is the camps that they that they had with springbok players i can only assume that it would have been other identified players as well in the in the in the squad it's not a springbok squad as yet um but you know if you look at springboks that are part of that specific squad in those camps um they would have obviously had a discussion as to the last time they were together was in the world cup it's a different environment um, the guys hadn't been together for quite a while. They hadn't played together, and now they have different things that they need to tick the boxes for. You know, so it's an incoming tour, and and it and you know every twelve years it hits our shores. So there's so much to play for, and players need to buy in and understand more so from a COVID perspective because they'll also go into the bio bubble. And yes, they did it at their franchises. But this is different now. So it's a four or six week tour when the lines come down and they need to be prepared for, for that old tournament. Uh, but it just seems like Jock is getting all these hurdles put in front of him and as he dodged the one, they put two others down. Look, I can, you know, I'm only a club coach and, and, and I can just imagine, I mean, obviously from a from a national coach in Jock Ninaba that has now taken over from Rashi, he obviously wants to prove a point and he wants yes. to get his first game behind his back and there's so many things happening and I, and I feel for him because, you know, whatever they try, then there's, as you said, there's a hurdle that they have to overcome and he has to make sure the players are prepared. Hence the fact that there's a lot of liaison between Jacques Ninamba, Russia Rasmus and the franchises so yes. that certain players are up to speed and they rest when they need to rest but they wanted to use this for them to play and, and, and get there, you know, so... Um, I don't want to be Jock Ninamer at the moment because he's under a heck of a lot of pressure and um, he has to produce. There's no two ways about it. We are it's the world champions. We haven't played for a year and there's already there's already question marks as to why we are still world, uh, not world champions, sorry, why we're still world number one. World number one, yeah. Um, and we haven't played for more than a year and the pressure is going to be on. But uh, I'm sure, that, you know, if, if you look at the way they prepared for the World Cup, they had all the all the... Um, boxes stick there and many people frowned upon how they went about and what they did and proof is in the pudding whether we'll get it right again is a different story but we will back them 100 percent. we will thank you very much mark appreciate your input and thank you for sharing your your thoughts with us yeah perfect and as we always say it's just it's just our side so from our side thank you very much for for this uh show that we had again and thanks to flock for joining in and all the wonderful things that he's doing and then if I just can close um, just for the listeners that once we are on board with Flock and, and these tackies and, and, and boots project that they please support us and let's make yes, them totally proud please support us yeah, thanks a lot Gus and uh, may you have a good week and, and uh, thanks, for, thanks for another successful show Thank you very much for tuning in to Touchline. From myself, Casper Els and Mark Cameron, have a great rugby week.